Amen. Listen, I was so excited last week about what God did with the first three verses, and he's going to do it again. I'm telling you, this is going to be a great study tonight, and uh, I, am, I am so glad to be in it. So if you have your Bibles, and I pray that you do, don't come to Bible study without a Bible. It really helps to have your Bible. Uh, Hebrews chapter number one, Hebrews chapter number one. Now I, I had to do, I had to do what, what I had to do last time had too many pages. And so, uh, the first section, the first section, which is really basically the introduction of the lesson is going to, you have the address of the verse, but the verse is not printed out because I run out of space. So, uh, uh, it will be on the screen. Don't worry about it. It'll be on the screen, hopefully. Uh, and then we'll, we'll go from there. All right. Church, say amen. amen. Here we go. I've, there we go. I thought I left them again. Here we go. Verse number, we stopped at verse three last week. So let's just jump into verse four. Being made so much what? Better, better. Being made so much better than the angels. As he hath by, in the, in the he is Christ, remember that, so I'm at the Lord. As he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For under which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son. And by the way, it's a rhetorical question. This day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. He said, which angel did, did he say that to? The answer is none, none. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. And they all shall wax old as doth the garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be chained. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits? Sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for, a, a, Lord, a good crowd here tonight to study and to grow and to learn. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to, to have your mind on paper. Lord, you've given us your word so that we could go from milk to meat. And God, as we study tonight, I pray that you'll just open our hearts, open our minds, open our understanding. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll illuminate our minds. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Don't let me say anything I'm not supposed to. And Lord, please don't let me forget anything I need to. These are your sheep. These are your children. And God, I pray that you'll give me the ability to edify them and strengthen them, disciple them, build them up in the most holy faith. And God, I'll thank you and praise you and give you all the glory and all the credit for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Before we jump in to, uh, and start there in verse number four, uh, if you were not here or haven't been here through the beginning of this study, uh, let me give you just a, brief, uh, just a brief rundown preview uh, of what the book of Hebrews is. Uh, the book of Hebrews is an encouragement to Jewish believers who are being uh, tempted to go back into Judaism. All right. Uh, the temple is still standing at the time that this was written. Uh, persecution had begun to ramp up with the Jewish believers. And there were many believers who were being tempted by false teachers. And they were being tempted because of the persecution and the difficulty they were having to go back into Judaism, go back into what they used to be, go back into their formal way of worship. And the writer of Hebrews is encouraging him, hold the line, hold fast your profession of faith. Don't go back, stay true, stay faithful, stay committed, hold on. Somebody say amen. amen. 
And, and so he, he uses this letter, he uses this epistle to try to convince these Jewish believers who are being persecuted, who are being tempted to go back into Judaism, and, and he uses this letter to teach them that Jesus is better. Say that with me. Jesus is better. He's better. Listen, he is better than anything else you've ever had. He's better than the old covenant. He's better than Moses. He's better than Joshua. He's better than the law. He's better than the... He's just better. Why go back to something that's inferior when you got the best there is? I mean, that's just a synopsis of Hebrews. What you got is better. Don't be tempted to go back. What you have is better. So throughout this book, he is taking the opportunity to show them, show them that Jesus is better. Now, here's the cool part. Especially what we're going to see tonight, <clears throat> especially what we're going to see tonight. He uses their own scriptures to prove his point. He's not giving his opinion. He's not giving his opinion. He's not giving what he thinks. He's saying, let me show you what your own scriptures, and we're going to see, I think, seven different quotations of the Old Testament scriptures that prove his points that Jesus is better than the angels. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, now, let's talk about angels just a minute. Let's talk about angels in the introduction a little bit. Why did it, why start with angels? Why didn't he start with Moses? You know, what's the point of angels? Why, why? Uh, does the writer want them to know specifically that he's better than the angels? And he started with them. He started with them. Let's look in your notes. Let's just talk about angels just a second. All right. There are 108. There are 108 direct references to angels in the Old Testament. 165 in the New Testament. Uh, I mean, it's all full of references uh, talking about verses dealing with angels. So, so angels are a reality. Number one, number one, if you're taking notes, just, just fill this in. Uh, the verses will be up on the screen. Uh, but here, here we see angels are spirit beings who have the ability to appear in ordinary human form. Angels are spirit beings who have the ability to appear in ordinary human form. We see that multiple times in the scriptures. Uh, when, when, how many of y'all remember when the, when the angels came to Abraham, when they was going to inform, uh, inform them of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and the danger that Lot was in. And then you see two angels go into Sodom to drag, uh, Lot. He said, how do you know they were in ordinary human form? Because the, the wicked men of Sodom wanted to have sexual relations with them men. They were Sodomites. So they appeared in ordinary human form. Now here's a, here's a proof though. In Hebrews, it says in verse chapter 13, verse two, he is telling us, he's telling us, be not forgetful to entertain strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. In other words, you might've been nice to somebody and helped somebody and you had no idea that was an angel you was dealing with. That's possible today. That's possible today. You, there is a great possibility that many people in here have had a run-in with an angel and they just look like just another human being. All right? An angel has the ability. But, but number two, angels can appear in supernatural form. Angels can appear in supernatural form. Matthew 28, 2. And behold, you remember after the resurrection, we see this. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. For fear of him, the keepers did shake and become as dead men. That's pretty cool. He just come and sat down. Hey, y'all. And his appearance was like lightning. His, his, his clothes were glowing. So, so angels can appear in a supernatural, in a frightening form. I mean, let's face it. If we'd have saw it too, we'd have probably fell out like they did. You know, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing sight to see. Number three, number three, angels are highly intelligent and have emotions. That's something they have emotions. 
Sometimes we don't see them as that. We, they almost seem like zombies or robots just going about doing God's will, but they have emotions. How do you know that? Luke 15, 10. Luke 15, 10 says, likewise, I say unto you, there is joy. Say that with me. There is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repented. What are you saying? I'm saying the angels are doing cartwheel Sunday over all them people getting baptized. They rejoice. They experience joy over people getting saved. Not only that, not only that, but it says in the book of Job, says in the book of Job that when, while God was creating this earth, while God was performing his creation, it says in Job 38, seven, when the morning stars, that's the angels, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, that's the angels. That's the angels. Say, preacher, what are you saying? They were saying God would make a tree. And they say, hey, look at that. Woo! <laughs> they were watching God do this creation and they were shouting. Yeah, he did it again. <laughs> hey, read it like it says. Imagine that. Did it ever occur to you that while God was making what he was making, he had a crowd watching him? The angels were watching him, cheering him on. Do it again, do it again. Make another moon, make another star, make another planet. Make another mountain like you carved out with your hand. Yeah, they rejoice. They have emotions. They have emotions according to scripture. Now, let me say this. We're going to talk about the son and who he calls a son. This is in reference to his creation. When it says the sons, plural, the sons of God. You know, it also says that we are sons of God, but not in the sense of the son, the only begotten. In other words, when it says the sons of God, it's in reference to he created them. They belong to him by way of creation. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right. Does everybody understand that? All right. Number four, number four. Not only do they have emotions, they don't marry they don't marry. According to Matthew twenty two thirty. it says for the resurrection, for in the resurrection, they neither marry. You see, this was that Jesus was responding uh, to the, the, the people trying to trap him, talking about the woman who married all these different brothers, you know, because of the Leverite law. And, and she didn't have children with any of them. They all died. She died. So which one is she going to be married to in the resurrection? Jesus said, you're just ignorant. She's not going to be married to any of them. They're going to be as the angels. There's no marriage in heaven. It says we'll, we'll be as the angels. For in the resurrection, neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. What does that mean? There's not little angel families having little angel babies in heaven. Does everybody understand that? Angels don't procreate. Every angel was created at the same time. He made them all. Boom. They were there. They're, they're, not, they're not like human beings in that way. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Number five, angels are countless in number. They're countless in number. I read one, one scholar said there were trillions. Some said there were millions, some billions. There's no way to count. Revelation 5.11 says, And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Now the word that's used there is the word myriads. There were myriads upon myriads and the word myriad means uncountable. There's no way to count it. So what are you saying? I'm just saying there's a bunch of them. There's no way to dogmatically count. I just know there is a bunch. There are millions and millions and millions of angels. Okay. Number six, <clears throat> angels are highly organized and ranked in different classes. There are cherubims, seraphims, and a class called living creatures. And we find them in Revelation 4. You remember the four beasts that are around the throne? The word beast means living creature. They are, they are, uh, uh, they are seen with different appearances uh, on, on their faces, and they all have different responsibilities. There are some angels that are messenger angels. There are some angels that are praise angels that praise the glory of God. Some are guardian angels, really. Uh, you know, God put a cherubim 
there in the garden to keep uh, Adam and Eve away from the, the tree of life. He stood there with a sword saying, you can come no further. You know, the cherubim, the cherubim on the, on the mercy seat. If you'll remember when he said, when I, when you build my mercy seat, I want you to carve out and out of solid gold, I want you to make cherubims. And y'all seen the pictures of the, the, the Ark of the Covenant in the mercy seat on top where the, the two angels on each side and their wings are covering over. And those cherubims are saying, stop, come no closer. They're guarding the holiness and the purity and, 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 and the glory of God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So there's, there's different ranks. There's different classifications of angels. There's angels and there's archangels. Uh, there are three named angels. I didn't put this in your notes, but if you want to write this down, there's three named angels in the Bible. Michael, Michael, uh, uh, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. I had this alliterated, uh, if I can remember it. Uh, Michael is the angel of war. He's the angel of might and strength. There are many times throughout the scriptures you see where he comes on the scene to fight, to defend. Uh, he is the angel of might. Then, then Gabriel is the messenger angel. Every time you see him, he's delivering a message, right? He's delivering a message. He's the messenger angel. He comes to, to Mary and he comes to Zacharias in the temple. And, and uh, uh, he said, I am, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. You know, he do, he's, a, he's the messenger angel. And then you have Lucifer. He was the majestic angel. Before he fell, we all know Lucifer as Satan. Before he fell, he was Lucifer who was in the presence of God that reflected the glory of God. He was basically the worship angel. He was the worship angel. And, and, and because of his pride and his beauty, we all know that. But these are, these are the angels. But, but what does this have to do? What does this have to do with what we are dealing with tonight? Why is this such a big deal that he has to address this with these Jewish believers? Well, number seven... Number seven will help us out with that. <clears throat> Angels were highly esteemed among Jews and some even to the point of worship. Angels were highly esteemed among Jews, some to the point of even worship. Because of the Talmudic writings, the Jewish writings, popular rabbinical interpretations and ideas, the Jewish people at the time of the writing of this epistle had begun to embellish the basic Old Testament teachings about angels. Now the word embellish is just a good fancy word for, uh, uh, help me, help me. I, just, I had it in my head and it just went out. Uh, Over-exaggerate. They exaggerated this, right? Most Jews believed that angels were very important to the Old Covenant. They esteem these creatures as the highest beings next to God. In other words, you have God, then you have the angels, right? Right underneath God. They believe that angels were God's instruments to bring his word to men in the working of his will. Angels were most important. Let me, let me, before I read that part, before I read that part, let me give you some stuff I didn't have room to put in your notes. Uh, many, many Jews believe that angels acted as God's senate or a council. In other words, in other words, he has a council with the angels and he, he discusses and gets advice from angels. How silly is that? But that's what they believe. For example, in Genesis 1, 26, you remember where, where God said, let us make man in our image. How many of y'all remember? Let us. Many Jews believe that he was talking about the angels when he said that. Let us, let us. But he's not. That was God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now watch, now watch. They believed, this are, these are some of the beliefs from the, the, the rabbinic writings. They believed that 200 angels controlled the movements of the stars. And that one very special angel, the calendar angel, controlled the never-ending succession of days, months, and years. Some believed a mighty angel took care of the seas. While others superintended the frost, the dew, the rain, the snow, the hail, the thunder, and the lightning... Still others were wardens of hell and torturers of the damned. They were even recording angels who wrote down every word that men spoke. 
There was an angel of death, and on the other hand, a guardian angel for every nation and even every child. Angels were so numerous that one rabbi claimed that every blade of grass had its own angel. Many Jews believe that the old covenant, and this is, this is true in, in some sense, uh, the old covenant, now, now watch, this is where it's going to tie in. This is where it's going to tie in. Why is it so important for, for this writer of the book of Hebrews to prove that Jesus is better and superior to the old covenant? And why is he starting with angels? Because the Jews believed or knew that the covenant came through the angels. Amen? Yeah. Now watch, now watch. The old covenant, the old covenant, I'm going to give you some verses there. The old covenant was brought to man and maintained by angelic mediation. The Jews knew this. They knew this. In other words, when God came to Mount Sinai, he came with the angels. And he used, it was through the angels he used to bring the law. And consequently, they had the highest regard for angels. Some respected angels to such a degree, like we said earlier, that they actually worshiped them. So to the Jewish mind, here's where it connects. So to the Jewish mind, angels were extremely exalted, immeasurably important. If the writer of Hebrews therefore was to persuade his fellow Jews that Christ is the mediator of a better covenant than that given through Moses, he would have to show, among other things, that Christ is better than the what? Angels. The angels. And that's what we're reading tonight. Christ must be shown that he's better than the bearers and mediators of the old covenant, namely the angels. And so, so we see, let me give you a little background. Let me give you a little background. Deuteronomy 33, two, look in your notes right there. Angels were most important in the Jewish religion, primarily because thousands of angels assisted in the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. Deuteronomy 33, 2. And he said, Lord, the Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them. He shined forth from Mount Paran and he came with 10,000s of saints for his right hand went a fiery law for them. The word saints there is the word that's also translated angels. So he came with thousands of angels. It says in Acts 7, 53, who have received the law by the disposition of angels or the ministry of angels. He said, he said, you have received the law by angels and you ain't even kept it. You haven't even kept it. Galatians three nineteen. wherefore then serveth the law, the law, it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. It, the law was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Psalm sixty-eight seventeen. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as he was in Sinai. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Preacher, what is the point? The angels were used by God to give the Jews their most precious thing. And what was that? It was the law. Man, the law was given to them and it was a privilege. Don't get me wrong. It was a privilege. But the bad part is, is that they begin to worship the law and not the law giver. And anything connected with the law became holy, became sacred. Humanity has a, a way of doing that. I mean, we, we make sacred stuff that shouldn't be sacred. But, but here we have the laws given by angels. So then the angels are critically important. Moses is critically important to these people. And so if the angels, or excuse me, the law came through the angels, watch this now, if the old covenant, the old covenant came through the ministration or nation of the angels, then you're going to have to prove to me that Jesus is better than the angels because the new covenant came through Jesus. So guess what? That's what he's fixing to do. He's fixing to show in the next few verses that Jesus is better than them angels. And if Jesus is better than the angels, then the new covenant is better than the 
Say amen. amen. Now, I want to I throw something in here. I want to throw something in here because I know what you're thinking. Because I was thinking the same thing. Now, these writers are throwing in these verses, right? They're going back to the Old Testament and they're picking out these verses and they're saying this is talking about Jesus. Now, here, here is something, but just because I'm a realist, I don't want to say I'm a pessimist. I'm, I'm a realist. I need to see some stuff, right? How do they know that? How, how does the New Testament writer know when he goes back to certain verses in the Old Testament that they're talking about Jesus? How does they know that? Let me show you. I'm glad you asked. Look what it says in Luke 24, 27, Luke 24, 27. This is Jesus speaking to the couple on the road to Emmaus. How many of y'all remember what I'm talking about? These were some of Jesus's followers who were discouraged. They were depressed because Jesus had died and, 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 and listen, this man they've heard so much about. Anyway, fast forward to this. Jesus is resurrected. He comes walking with him. They don't even know who he is. Now watch this. He says, what's your problem? That's not what he said, but that's how he said it. He said, man, where have you been under a rock? Don't you know that this man, Jesus, they've, they've crucified, they've killed him. And I mean, they're talking to Jesus. They don't even know who he is. Now watch. So this is what Jesus does. Luke 24, 27. And beginning at Moses. Moses. That, that would be the Torah. What is the Torah? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the book of Moses. Are y'all with me? So he starts there. He starts there. And then all the prophets. So what's he doing? He's including the whole Old Testament. Watch this. He expounded unto them in all the, now the scriptures are the Old Testament. That's all they got at the time, at the moment, right? He expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning. So what was he doing? He was going back to the Old Testament and saying, see this verse right here? That's talking about the Messiah. See this verse right here? That's talking about the Messiah. See this verse right here? That's talking about the Messiah. I believe with all of my heart. You say, how do, how do them New Testament writers know that the Old Testament writers were talking about the Messiah in those specific verses? Because Jesus told them. Jesus told them. When he was resurrected, he spent many days, many days with them, illuminating their minds, showing them, proving. And I believe with all of my heart, he did it with the disciples. He did it with those following them. He said, listen, this verse means this. This verse means it. Starting with Moses, going through the prophets, he was showing them every single time. I, I believe, I believe he started right there in Genesis where, where man fell. And he said, the seed of the woman's going to bruise the head of the seed of the serpent. He said, that's me. And I believe he went through the scripture saying, this is me, this is me, this is me, and this is me. Are y'all with me? So that's how they were confident. And that's how they were assured. Jesus took the Old Testament scriptures and taught them about himself, showing and proving that this is, and he had, he had to do that when, it, when he, had, he had to show that, hey, the Messiah had to die and suffer. And he used the Old Testament scriptures to do that. Why, why do you think Philip was able, when he got to the eunuch in the desert, he started with the very scripture he was at and preached unto him Jesus. Jesus. Because he could. Who told him that? Jesus. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So, and I, the only reason I threw that in there, the only reason I threw that in there because I, I didn't want somebody saying, well, how do they know that that's talking about Jesus? Well, Jesus told them. Jesus told them. All right. Now, now here's, so here's what we're going to do. I think there's seven different quotations out of the Old Testament scriptures that the writer of Hebrews uses to prove that Jesus is better than the angels. He's superior to the angels. So let's start. Let's jump in 
right here in verse number four. Are y'all ready? All right. We got 29 minutes to to finish this outline. And I believe we're going to make it. How many of y'all are confident? Some of y'all need to at least lie. Lie to me in, in, in the house of God. Amen. All right. All right. First of all, number one, he's superior in his title. Write that down. And I'll show you. He's superior in his title. So what title? The Bible says in verse four, being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent what? name than they. What was the name? What was the name? What was the title for under which of the angels said he at any time thou art my son, son, capital S singular, not the sons of God, which are the angels, but the son of God. That's his title. What angel did he say that to? I'll tell you. None, not one single angel was said, this is my son. This is my son. Now let me show you. I I gave you the three Old Testament scriptures that he quoted. Three Old Testament scriptures that he quoted. He quoted Psalms 2, 7, 2 Samuel 7, 14, and Psalm 97, 5 through 7. Here it is in verses 4 through 6. Being made so much better than the angels as he hath an inheritance, by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. Now his title, if you're taking notes, write this down. His title, we see, was affirmed. It was affirmed. It was affirmed at his virgin birth. Luke one thirty one says this, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, watch now, and shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David, Luke 1, 35. And the angel said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the son of God. Which of the angels was that said about? None. None. Listen, at Jesus' baptism... At Jesus' baptism, you could throw that in there too. When he was baptized, Jesus, Jesus, when he come up out of the water, God the Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am. Well, please. Well, please. But then we see it as resurrection. This is big right here. This is big. It was affirmed at his birth. It was affirmed at his resurrection. His resurrection could be said, could be said it was his second birth. Preacher, what are you saying? Romans 1, 3. Romans 1, 3 says concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Now watch. And declared, declared to be the son of God with power According to the spirit of what? Holiness. Holiness. By the resurrection from the dead. By the resurrection from the dead. Now, when we read Acts 13, 33 in your notes, you're going to find out that the writer, when he says this, when he says this in verse 6, verse 6 of Hebrews 1, you there? Hebrews 1, 6. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world. Now, now, when does he use that terminology? Look what it says, Acts 13, 33. God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, 
in that he hath raised up Jesus again. He raised up Jesus again. As it also is written in the second Psalm. See, he's tying those two together. The one that Hebrews quoted, he's quoting too. Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. What day? Resurrection day. The day he got up. Listen, the moment that Jesus resurrected from the grave, that was the greatest proof that he was the son of God. That's, That's what he's saying right here. The greatest proof that we have that Jesus was the son of God, that he was perfectly righteous, the spirit of holiness, it says, perfectly pure, perfectly righteousness. Listen, he was the pure God, the son, because he rose again. You say, why, why is that proof? Because, because the sting of death is sin. Now watch. If Jesus would have failed one time, if Jesus would have disobeyed the Father one time, if he would have had one slip up, one impure thought, one failure, just one little itty bitty little tiny sin, he would still be in the grave today. But hallelujah. But because he was perfect, because he was completely righteous and holy, because he, what, listen, because he perfectly fulfilled the Father's will and did everything that pleased the Father, the Father brought him back from the dead and said, This day have I begotten thee. So not just his physical birth. But his second, you could say this second birth when he resurrected from the grave. Listen, what angel did they say that about? None. None. Listen, his title, his title of son, his inheritance, his title is superior to the angels. Not one single angel was that said about. Not only that. Not only that, his title was not only affirmed, it was adored. Write that down. It was adored. What did he say? Hebrews verse number six. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten, and by the way, let me clear something up. First begotten in most sense means firstborn. All right. But in this sense, it means the supreme one. The chief one. In other words, you have Esau and Jacob, right? Esau was the firstborn. He arrived first, but, or born first. But Jacob was the firstborn. Esau was born first, but Jacob was the firstborn. Meaning he had the authority. He was the one going to get the inheritance. He would get the blessing. He was the chief one. This word is not talking about order. It's talking about position. Does that make sense? So what is it saying? Jesus is the chief one. Jesus is the best one. Jesus is the great one. Are y'all with me? Now, you remember, you remember when it uses the, the term uh, Jesus was the first begotten of the dead. How many of y'all remember that? That, that verse it says he was the first begotten of the dead. Was he the first one to come back from the dead? No. He brought Lazarus from the dead. He bought, he bought the widow of Nain's son back from the dead. There were other people that were brought back from the Matter of fact, at his, listen, at his crucifixion, Y'all, y'all know what happened in, in resurrection that there were many that came back from the dead. Jesus wasn't the first one, but he was the best one. He was the chief. That's what that word means. First begotten. He was the chief one. He was the one. He was the one. That's what that word means. All right. Now, so as the chief one, the Bible says, let all the what? 
Come on. Verse six. And let all the angels of God, what? Worship him. Now, how in the world could the angels be better than him if the angels are worshiping him? Y'all with me? Look what it says. Look what it says. Luke, Luke two. It says in Luke two, verse eight. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is Christ, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you and you shall find the babe wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying the angels worshipped him at his birth. They worshipped him. 1 Peter 3, 22 says, Who has gone into heaven? This is talking about Jesus. Who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers being made what? Subject unto him. Watch this. I like this one. Revelation 5, 11. And I beheld. I beheld. And I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, glory and blessing. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying he's superior in his title. No, no angel has ever been given the title son of God. No angel has been ever told or had the privilege of being worshiped by the other angels. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Number two, we see he's superior in his title. Number two, he's superior in his throne. Write that down. His throne. Look at verse 7. And of the angels, and of the angels, he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God. This is God the Father talking to God the Son and says, Thy throne, O God. Now, anytime you, you, you hear cultists and people say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. The Bible doesn't say he's God. Here it is. There it is. Yeah. Thy throne, God the Father is speaking to God the Son. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is thy scepter of thy kingdom. Now, watch this, verses 7 and 8. Here we see a couple of things. He quotes... He quotes Psalm 104 and Psalm 45. All right, you got that in your notes right there. This is where he's getting this from, right? He's going to the Old Testament scriptures and he is quoting from there. Do y'all see that right there at the top of your notes there? All right, now two things I want you to write down about his throne. First, we see the servants to the throne. Write that down. The servants to the throne. And then I want you to write this down. The sovereign on the throne. Write that down. B. The sovereign on the throne. This is what he says. This is what he says to the angels. You're a servant. Y'all see that? In verse number seven. And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of earth. The word minister means servant. What is the writer of Hebrews saying to the Jewish people? He said, look, man, this is what he says about angels. You're servants. You're ministers. You're servants to the throne. You're ministers of the throne. But what does he say about Jesus? What does he say about the Messiah? He says, watch this now. Look, let me read it. Let me read it. But unto the son, that's Jesus. He saith, thy what? So whose throne is it? The son, oh God, is forever and ever. Do y'all see that? 
You say, what are you, what are you saying? I'm saying that the son is superior to the angels in his throne. He has a throne. He is the sovereign. He is the king. He is the ruler. He is the creator. Somebody say amen. Amen. Then number three, hurry and write this down. I'm telling you, we're going to finish. What was number, what was number one? Let's review just a second. What was number one? We see he's superior to the angels in his, in his title. He says, which of you have he's ever called the son, my begotten son. Then he's superior in his, in his throne. Number three, write this. He's superior in his touch. His touch. Look what it says in verse 10. We're just taking this verse by verse. Verse 10 says this. And thou Lord. And, and, and let, me, let me give you where he's quoting this from. Psalms 102. And Psalms 110. And if you want to. If you want to do this. If you want to do this to your nose. This is what I did. Over here where I. Where, where I'm taking it, where he quoted it from, I just put, you know, a big deal there and I put quotes there. That'll help you. It's, it, the, the verses are right underneath the main points. The two verses here, the two verses here, and then uh, the, the, I don't need that. The three, don't worry about it. It's good. I don't need that and I'm done with that one. But the three verses, the three verses underneath point number one, just put beside it quotes, quotes, all right? Does that make sense? Amen. It'll just help it stand out more to you. All right. Now let's look at his touch. Verse 10. He quotes Psalms 102. It says, and thou Lord in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of thine. Amen. What's he saying? He's saying you're the creator. The old Testament scriptures are saying that Jesus, the son is the creator of everything. And if he's the creator of everything, then that has to mean he's the creator of the, the angels. You remember the whole point? The whole point of this is he's proving that Jesus is superior to the The angels did not create a thing. The angels do not have creative abilities. The create, listen, the angels are created beings who serve their creator. And he's saying the son is the creator. He said everything was made by your hands. You see, if you're taking notes, write this down. And underneath this touch, I want you to write this. We see his creative power in verse 10. His creative power in verse 10. Lord, in the beginning has, thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the works of thine hand. And by the way, you remember what we found out in Job? In the book of Job, we found out that while he was doing that, the angels were cheering him on. Y'all with me? All right, now look, verse 10. Thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth. The heavens are the works of thy hands. Now watch what he says about this. This is intriguing. They, talking about the works of his hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. They all shall wax old and as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the and thy years shall not fail. Write this down. We see his creative power be his continual presence. What is, it, what is he saying here? The writer is trying to help us understand everything that you see in this creation, it's going bye-bye. One day, the Bible says the elements will melt with fervent heat. Everything's going to be gone. Everything you see is temporary, but not him. You was here before it got here. You'll be here after it's gone. Can't say that about the angels. Listen, in his touch, his creative power, his continual presence. The psalmist said it 
He said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art there. If I go to the top of the mountains, the depths of the sea, it doesn't matter where I am. There you are. His continual presence. And then lastly, then lastly, (laughs) we got extra time. (laughs) Lastly, verse 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time? Boy, he's getting, getting kind of feisty now, ain't he? Which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I'm... And by the way, by the way, the he there is God the Father. Y'all, y'all with me? He says, to which of the angels did he say at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? We see C, write this down. What was A? Give me A. His creative power. B, his. And then C, his confirmed privilege. Say, Preacher, what do you mean confirmed privilege? He's, He's confirming that he has the privilege of sitting on the throne. Not one single angel can you say that about. Matter of fact, the only one that tried it got kicked out. And all those that followed him. Now think about that. That was the very reason he got kicked out. He wanted the privilege of the throne. But ladies and gentlemen, that privilege doesn't belong to angels. He is superior to the angels. And if he's superior to the angels, he's superior to the law that they ordained. And if he's superior to the old covenant that came through the angels, then the new covenant is better than the old covenant. Say it with me. The is better say it again the is and all God's people say he's better why go back why go back why why give up what's better what's superior don't go back hold fast the profession of your faith because what you got now is better than what you had then. And all God's people say it.